Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. The last few Sundays, the preaching that I've been sharing with you has been pretty bold and forthright. Last Sunday was Reformation Sunday, and we talked about what it meant to go boldly as a church, as a denomination who prides themselves on the praise on the phrase reformed and always reforming meaning we are called to go out into the world and we're called to live bold lives for Jesus and we're called to do so in a world that really almost doesn't recognize Jesus and certainly in a generation of those under the age of 25 which statistics show majority have never walked into a church majority see no need for a church and so therefore the preaching has been forthright and bold and let's get out the door and it dawned on me that you really can't go bold without living lives of gratitude without being someone who's genuinely thankful so I started doing some reading and this is what happens when you have a pastor who happens to be a clinical psychologist I, I look for research. And so there is a psychologist that wrote a book some years ago called The Hour of Happiness. And she was able to clinically put two groups, one on one side and one on the other, into one group for eight weeks. She continually asked them once a week to meet with her, and she asked them only to list five things that happened to them in the last week that did not go well whether it was an adversity or somebody said something not nice to them, whatever it was, whatever hardship it was. And then she took the other group, and for those eight weeks, she only asked them to write down five things that they were thankful for. She also had them meet with the doctor at the beginning to get a physical. She asked them to do the same uh, by the 10th week to do that, to see if two weeks after they didn't have to come in and make their list if it had any effect on them. And I'm sure you won't find it surprising to learn that the ones who came back and every week had to list their blessings and what they were thankful for, they actually improved the quality of their daily living. They were getting results back by being thankful. Others around them were looking at them differently. They were having eye contact. It was spreading. Because when you're someone who is thankful, it just tends to have that effect. And the reverse is also true. For the group that went the eight weeks and came back, even their doctor's report was uh, worse than when they started. They were showing signs of early onset depression, uh, less hope. And so two little words, thank you, can literally change your life in the lives of those around you, and we don't want to sell it short. Words are really, really powerful, and words have no meaning unless they're lived. So I can look at someone and say, yep, I love you, but if I don't show them that I love them, if they don't feel that love on the other side, it really means nothing. The word is empty. And so, after that study, she also said that there were 12 habits of happiness. And there was wonderful things on that list, like 
You should forgive those who have wronged you because it's not good for you to hold a grudge. You should be appreciative of your life for sure. You should also make sure that you take care of your body and those really important relationships in your life, the kind of relationships that you can't imagine your life without, you should invest even more into those relationships and you'll be happier. But of the 12 things, you know what was number one on the top of the 12 was gratitude. Be thankful. And so part of her research, she had to look at uh, how you would percentage-wise look at how that works. So she came back through her research and these two groups that she had, and she discovered that 40, 50%, 50% is actually due to our DNA. So everybody blame your parents today <laughs> if you're Eeyore or you're Tigger. No, no, no. Don't say that. I don't want to get in trouble. And so isn't that kind of interesting? She likened it to a thermostat. So, you know, you always kind of have that preset button that kind of goes back. You can hike it up. You can do it low. Maybe your husband has to have it like 75 degrees in your house, just as an example. And you like it like 68, which is still fairly tropical. It's going to go back to the preset, right? And so that's what kind of the DNA is. Then 10%, and this is what was really surprising, was based on circumstances that you could not control. Now, I would have thought it would have been 50% circumstance and 10% DNA. And, and here, here's, here's the cincher. Here's the teachable lesson. So that leaves 40%. Thoughts, words, actions, attitudes, you control. We control that. So we actually have a choice to be happy, to be thankful, and to express it. So imagine that. All right, so now I got to get off the clinical psychologist bent and take you back to your verse today. Give thanks in all circumstances, for it is the will of God in Jesus Christ for you. So let me take that little verse and give you the context. So that comes from a little letter from 1 Thessalonians. It was actually to the young church in Thessalonica. And here's what was the context of that verse. So Paul, who had already been there and started to establish that young church, eventually he had to move on. He had actually been given a vision before he got there by God that God said, you have to cross over into Macedonia and you got to take your vision of spreading the word even further. You got to go bold. So he crosses over around AD 50 into Macedonia and he actually goes to some of those uh, some of those little churches and then obviously after a time he's got to move on and go to the next church. He's got to keep going. But here's what happened while he was in Thessalonica um, as he established the church there were a group in that church that were really just on fire for God. They were telling everybody about Jesus. And here's the cincher. They were being persecuted for it. So they're young in the faith, but they're standing bold. But then there was a group in that church 
because Paul would preach a lot about Christ will come again. And they started thinking like, well, if Christ is going to come again, why do we really have to work that hard? We can just kind of wait, kind of wait, you know, the Messiah out. Uh, yeah. And then it says they sat idle. Now, you know, Paul does not mince words. <laughs> he was not about that. And so what he did is he kind of, he, uh, he, when he left them, all was well. And then some time went by and he couldn't get back to them. And he really loved this church. He had great affection for this church. So he sent Timothy out there. And what we have in this letter is Timothy has come back to report. And this is the report he's given. They're being persecuted. They're standing up for their faith. But there are some who are just kind of sitting around letting everybody else do the work. They're, they're being idle. And so his response is this letter. Sometimes, depending on the translations, it might say his instructions and his blessings. As the verses line up in verse 23, 24, it's like a blessing. It's like a benediction at the end of his letter. And so some of the things he says in there that we're to be about as a church is that we're to always be praying. We're to always be joy-filled. We're to always be... Um, following Christ's ways, and he point blank says, do not return a wrong for a wrong. What a lesson to say to you today in election season. If you live in Livonia, you're getting lots and lots of mailers, right? Do not return wrong for wrong. It's not your place. So if somebody wrongs you, says Jesus, you forgive them. You don't do wrong back. And so it's really a powerful little letter. And it also shows Paul's great love for this church. And so here we have this lesson now that we know that really 40% of our makeup is dependent on who we are. And now we've got Paul saying it doesn't matter about the circumstances. Although those circumstances can certainly hit us like a big wave we didn't see coming. It's not dependent. God is bigger than any wave, right? Wherever you go in life, if there's an adversity, Jesus has already been there. You never walk alone. And so in your bulletin today, we had these five baptisms. How wonderful. And Amanda and Gretchen, who have been lifelong buddies, probably have good stories on each other. <laughs> they joined the church. They became members and we were able to baptize those five kids today, those amazing kids. And it dawned on me as we handed out the books, um, and once I revealed that we wrote love letters in them, Austin was late in getting up because he'd ripped his journal open, and he was reading what Kate had written to him in his journal. And then as all the kids got up and the music started to play, he looked up at us and went, thank you. So that's what gratitude looks like. How about that? Austin, a little kid, so happy to be baptized and get a note from a pastor in a journal that goes with his Bible. Who'd have thought? So for all of those in the world who say, oh, the church isn't relevant today, who's going to join a church today? We have children that literally run up to lead us in prayer and remind us of what it means to be thankful. And then that, that wonderful promise that all of you say to those who are baptized. Look at the fourth word, with joy and thanksgiving. 
right? We promise. There's promises made that will help instruct and to nurture. So it's kind of like our way of being church, like Paul was in 1 Thessalonians. Now we now are all the mentors and the encouragers in the faith. So we need to be making sure that we are thankful so we teach our children how to be thankful. And it's going to have just this amazing effect, not only in their own lives, in our own lives, but in this congregation. And as all of us go out into the world to where we work, into our families and our friendships, we have that attitude of gratitude that is genuine, and the root of it is because of Christ. There is no telling how we can shape the world. There's a great quote that says that our words um, can shape people, but that the true love of words is coming when you don't say a word that then you can put on a shelf and put it away, like it has kind of a shelf life. The power of the word of gratitude and thanksgiving is that you become thankful. It's not just about saying thanks. It's about living thanks and being thankful. So here we are in the month of November, and Thanksgiving is at the end of the month. And I thought, what better month for all of us, me included, to practice being thankful. So you have a little card, and you saw the video, very moving. And this is Thank You, God. You can write one thing. You can write many things. I would like you to do that, and then I'd like you, when you walk out of the service, to go up to the Welcome Center and to lay it down, and we're going to post them on that back window. There's already a beautiful sign up there to be thankful, so we can read what we are all thankful for. And then I'm going to challenge you from this week till next week, and I'll ask, I'll ask you next Sunday how it went. Each day this week, I want you to turn to somebody in your life and I want you to say these words, I thank God for you. Can we practice? I thank God for you. My friends, my partners in ministry, I really do thank God for you. Amen.